Welcome to PT Snacks Podcast. This is Casey, your host. And if this is your first time listening, basically, you should know that this podcast is meant for physical therapists and physical therapist students who are looking to grow your fundamentals, but also in bite-sized segments of time. So you have time to do whatever else it is that you want to do. And for today's topic, we're going to be talking about cranial nerves, which probably about now, if you guys didn't see the title, you're some of you are running for cover because you might have learned this for PT school and then quickly forgotten it. But this is actually really an important evaluation so that you can be able to pick up subtle signs of brain injury that might have been missed or if there's some sort of dysfunction caused from a tumor or inflammation, trauma, systemic orders, or degenerative processes that help us to get our patients the care that they need quicker. Because unless it's something obvious, like some severe stroke or brain injury, this might go completely unnoticed. And while it's not the end-all be-all, it is helpful for us to get more information on where a dysfunction might be occurring if there is one, and then also on what to do about it. So for example, is it something more central or something more peripheral? Um, All of these cranial nerves, there's 12 of them, by the way. Um, They're named and numbered based on location from the front of the brain to the back. And so they're all going to have different locations that affect if there's an injury in a certain portion of the brain or where the nerves are or the nuclei are, what happens to that? So some are sensory, some are motor, and I'll go over some mnemonics there at the end that can help you remember them, but we're just going to go through them one by one. So... From 1 to 12, we have olfactory, optic, oculomotor, trochlear, trigeminal, abducens, facial, vestibulocochlear, glossopharyngeal, vagus, accessory, and hypoglossal. So let's go through them really quick. So cranial nerve number one is the olfactory nerve. And this allows us to pick up sensory information on smell. So it is a sensory nerve. So if we're concerned about our patient not having a sense of smell, literally all you're really doing is you're putting strong smells under each nostril of your patient to see if they can smell it or not. Just make sure that you're closing the other side of the nostrils so that you're actually um, testing the side that you think you are. Sometimes trauma can cause tearing of the olfactory stria from the cribiform plate of the ethmoid bone. Um, sometimes from whiplash or a closed head injury or something like that. So that's just something that you can kind of look into for that. Cranial nerve number two is your optic nerve. So this is for vision. Again, it's a sensory nerve. And if you're concerned about this nerve, you're basically testing it with like a Snellen chart for visual acuity. Uh, fun fact, bitemporal hemianopia is a common clinical presentation of a tumor in the pituitary gland. So check that out. Um, now cranial nerve number three is more of a motor nerve. It's your ocular motor. Um, motor is literally in the name, (laughs) so maybe that will help you, but it basically controls most extraocular muscles. So your inferior oblique and then your medial inferior and superior rectus muscle of the eye, as well as your levator palpebrae superioris that helps to elevate the eyelid. And it also helps with pupil constriction and lens accommodation. So what you're going to be checking for with this nerve is let's check out 
pupillary size symmetry or pupillary light response? Is it smooth? Do you see any nystagmus? Are they able to track your finger if you go up, down, and towards their midline? Now, cranial nerve number four is your trochlear. That's another motor nerve. That helps to control your superior oblique extraocular muscle. So remember, inferior oblique is in your ocular motor. Superior oblique is trochlear. And that helps move your eye down and in. So if you're worried that this muscle is not working, you're literally just going to see, hey, can my patient move their eye down and in? So have them track your finger with their eye going diagonally downward and towards their midline. I'm going to skip cranial nerve five for a sec because cranial cranial nerve six kind of fits a little bit better um, with the prior two that I just mentioned, but that would be your abducens, which is another motor, and that controls your lateral rectus extraocular muscle, which helps to move your eye laterally. So again, if you're worried about this nerve being affected, you're just trying to see, hey, can my patient move their eye laterally or away from the midline? Now, for cranial nerves three, four, and six, if there's a dysfunction going on here, you might even see some diplopia um, with their head in neutral spine. And that patient may even compensate with cervical deviation that can be mistaken for torticollis. So just keep a lookout for that. But let's go back to cranial nerve five that I just skipped. So that's your trigeminal. And this is both a motor and a sensory nerve. So that's the first combo that we've come across. So for sensory information, basically trigeminal is a lot of sensation from the face, including the cornea, as well as motor innervation of the muscles of mastication, your mylohyoid, digastric, the anterior belly, tensor belly, palatine, and your tensor tympani. Um, and so to test it, you're looking at, do they have sensation on their face? Can they clench their teeth and open their mouth? Um, and then if you gently brush their cornea, they should blink their eye, um, which makes me cringe a little bit thinking about that, but I don't like things in my eye. Okay. So remember six was abducens. We've already gone over it, but cranial nerve seven is your facial nerve. And again, this is also sensory and motor. This helps to control the muscles of facial expression, as well as your digastric, the posterior belly, stylohyoid, and stapedius. Also helps with sensation, uh, sensory information of taste and salivation autonomically. So when you're checking them out, you're going to see if they have symmetry of facial expressions. So both eyes should blink with corneal brushing, um, taste test the anterior two-thirds of the tongue. So with this nerve, sometimes if there's swelling in the facial canal, it can cause weakness in the ipsilateral facial muscles and then loss of taste from the ipsilateral anterior two-thirds of the tongue. Um, so a lot of times we're looking at this with like Bell's palsy or something like that to see what's affected. Now, cranial nerve eight is your vestibular cochlear, and that is a sensory nerve. So this helps you with hearing and vestibular function or balance. Think of it like balance. So since it's hearing, you're going to rub your fingers by each ear, moving your hands to track the distance that they're able to hear the, the rubbing of your fingers. So obviously do this in a quiet room. And then you're also testing the vestibulocular reflex. So eyes should move in the opposite direction of head movement, and you're checking for nystagmus. 
a lot of times clinically, it's common for a cochlear damage to come from an acoustic neuroma or a tumor of the Schwann cells that myelinate the nerve. All right, hopefully y'all are with me still so far. So cranial nerve number nine is your glossopharyngeal, which is motor and sensory. And that helps with your gag reflex, swallowing, taste, and salivation. So you're going to check the gag reflex. Basically, are they going to gag? Um, check taste sensation in the posterior tongue. Because remember, the anterior tongue, that's facial. So usually lesions don't happen in isolation in this nerve. It's usually going to happen in conjunction with something else. But they may have a sudden pain of unknown cause that becomes... It starts in the throat and then radiates down the side of the neck and the front of the ear to the posterior mandible, usually precipitated by like swallowing or protrusion of the jaw. Um, and this can be due to glossopharyngeal neuralgia. Now, cranial nerve number 10, vagus. The way I remember this is like jazz hands. You have 10 fingers, so cranial nerve 10. It's motor and sensory. So you're looking at phonation, swallowing, thoracic and abdominal viscera regulation, which is kind of a big deal. You should, you definitely want that to be regulated, right? So you're going to have the patient say, ah, and then watch for the elevation of the soft palate. And if they have lesions, you're watching out to see, you might be worried about lesions if they have like a hoarse voice or difficulty swelling, and they may even have food regurgitation into the nasal cavity, which sounds horribly unpleasant. Um, so that's cranial nerve 10, your vagus nerve. Now cranial nerve 11 is your accessory nerve and that's motor. So this innervates your trapezius and sternocleidomastoid muscles. So if you're worried about the muscles, muscle test them. Because uh, sometimes these muscles or this nerve can really be affected by some sort of radical neck surgery. Like for example, a resection of a laryngeal carcinoma that involves dissection of the lymph nodes in the neck. And then last but not least, cranial nerve 12, we have the hypoglossal nerve. And so it's more so for motor, motor control of your tongue. So essentially, you're going to have the patient stick their tongue straight out and see if they have symmetric movement or not. So we might worry about this with metastatic tumors or cerebral infarction, um, but if it's an upper motor neuron lesion, you, they might have weakness without atrophy and then the deviation to the opposite side of the lesion. Lower motor neuron lesion, they may have paralysis and atrophy of the tongue muscles on the affected side and deviation to the same side of the lesion. All right, so those were our cranial nerves 1 through 12, just really quick. Now, if you need a mnemonic to remember it, there is a lot on the internet. Um, I'll go over a few. So for the names of the nerves, um, you might've heard it before. OOO to take a family vacation, go Vegas after hours. So for example, olfactory, optic, oculomotor, trochlear, etc. cetera. Um, or another one it, for you Harry Potter fans, on, 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 they traveled and found Voldemort guarding very ancient horcruxes. And of course, you can always go on the internet, whatever helps you to remember those the best. Um, but for the types like motor, sensory, or both, um, another mnemonic is some say money matters, but my brother says big brains matter most. You might have, again, heard different renditions. It's whatever. Um, but essentially, the first letter of each word 
stands for either the name or whether it's sensory and motor. So hopefully you found this useful or at least you're able to use it for studying for your test. Maybe you're on a walking studying break or you have a patient or maybe you're in a setting where you kind of screen for some mild head traumas. If you have any questions, let me know. You know where to find me, ptsnackspodcast at gmail.com or you can just find me on Instagram, shoot me a message. Um, that is at PT Snack. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. Let me know if there's any other topics that you want me to cover. Again, this is supposed to be for you guys to be concise and helpful. Essentially, with these episodes, the idea is that I save you the trouble of having to look out for this stuff for yourself. You can apply it to your patients, you can learn, but you can do it quickly and still be able to get on with the rest of your day. So that's it for today. And until next time.